Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. The 2023 season is here. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap coming to you after the Revs won their first season opener in 10 years. Uh, long overdue, beating Charlotte FC 1-0 on the road in front of nearly 70,000 fans. Quite the atmosphere there in Charlotte. I'm Sean Donahue. Joining me today is my co-host, Tanner Rebello. Tanner, how's it going? It's going great. You know, we got some snow on the ground in New England, and uh, New England Revolution won last night, to my surprise. Yeah, the, the Revs won, and then the Celtics, uh, I switched over to that after the game was over, pulled off uh, quite the win of their own. So it was a, a good day for Boston sports. I think the Bruins won, too. Um, so plenty of things to be happy about right now uh, this weekend, starting off the Revolution season. Um, I do want to get right into our key takeaways, because I think there were a lot of things you could take away from this game, uh, which are brought to you by our good friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at Any Rebellion and on their website, anyrebellion.org. Uh, Tanner, what was your key takeaway from this one? It really was just a surprise that the Revolution were able to find a way to win in this game and, and to beat Charlotte in front of almost 70,000 fans. I really thought coming into this game and actually coming into this season that they would start off slow due to the fact that you have players like Nacho Hill, Gustavo Bo, Andrew Farrell that were unavailable to the team due to injury or, in Bo's case, waiting on his green card. And I really thought that this team would just start off slow and the fact that they'd also have to work in you know, Dylan Barrero, Giacomo Ferroni, who didn't really play a ton last season, as well as Dave Romney on the back line. And you just look at the whole picture, and I really did think that this would be a slow start. But they went at the Charlotte and played in a very difficult building in front of a very, very loud crowd, and they took him out of the game rather early. Um, I think for large stretches of the game, the Revolution were the better team. There were some issues, certainly. Uh, I think there were some issues in transition, issues in turning over the ball, and they got lucky a couple of times um, to not concede a goal. But for the vast majority of this game, I thought they were the better team, and I really didn't think that was going to be the case coming in. So I was generally surprised that they were able to come away with the win in Charlotte. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And defensively, they were very solid. They limited Charlotte to you know not that many chances. Um, you know, especially early on, there were not many shots from Charlotte. Uh, expected goals total at halftime was was really low. I think it was point one something for for Charlotte and maybe point three something for the Revs. Um, so defensively, they were very sound, and that was something that. Uh, was very important because I think watching that last preseason game for the Revolution, there were a lot of questions uh, with the same back line, and we didn't really see them in this game, which was great. Uh, Romney and Kessler, um, with Kessler playing right center back, he usually played left center back for the Revs, um, and Romney playing left center back. You know, anytime you have a new center back pairing playing their first meaningful game, uh, there's always going to be questions about the chemistry and the communication there. It takes time to build that, um, but we didn't really see much of that in this game so that to me is a a very very positive sign um defensively lots of good things you can take away from this one i think yeah and i think that's really you know telling right i think henry kessler you saw him passionate and you know he always has been a passionate player but he had a lot of injuries last year that kind of hindered him and a lot of people were thinking about kessler being on the way out or kessler being transferred out at some point this season but i really think that you saw Henry Kessler at his best last night. Um, you know, he was covering himself defensively and he was being aggressive on the offensive end as well as Dave Romney too. And Romney looked great as well. But 
I want to also point out no buck. I think no buck looked great defensively and he tracked back late in the game on a run tracking a runner and hit me able to do that and making that run at 17 years old. He might've stopped the goal there. And I thought I was very impressed with, you know, the team defense as a whole. Dylan Barrera was tracking back. Um, Carlos, he was playing defensively as well. Matt Polster, obviously. So as a whole, I was very impressed with this team defensively. I thought they were very well organized and there were players compensating for other players when they had a misstep. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Kessler was probably the most likely guy to score for the Revs at multiple times in this game. He hit the post. Uh, he had three shots, which was tied for the, the team lead with Dylan Barrero. I don't think anyone would have expected that going into this game. Um, but he was huge on both ends of the pitch for the Revolution. Buck, you mentioned, I think Buck had a, we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but I think he had a, especially a good second half um, and you know defensively good and also some really impressive passes going forward. So a, a lot to like. Um, again, especially on the defensive side of the field. My key takeaway, though, is that the Revs found a way to win this game, despite the fact that their two designated players really underperformed. Um, I don't think much needs to be said about Giacomo Vrioni. Uh, we didn't get to see too much from him. He did have one shot on target, didn't really challenge the keeper too much. Um, only 18 touches in 63 minutes. Um, just, you know, he didn't get the ball all that much, uh, which, you know, isn't entirely his fault, but. Overall, you'd like to see your designated player a lot more involved uh, and a lot more dangerous than he was in this game. Um, and then, you know, we, we still don't know what the Revolution are going to get out of Giacomo Rioni. He had a lot of injuries last year. Um, we're hoping he can be that player that led the Austrian Bundesliga or came closely to the Austrian Bundesliga in scoring. Um, but, you know, we, we still there's, there's, we got, we have to see a lot more from him to know what the Revs are going to get. Um, and this game didn't show it. Uh, so that's a little bit worrying. On the other side, Carles Heel. Uh, we know what he offers to the Revolution. He was the league MVP two years ago. He had a fantastic season last year, even as the Revs struggled. Um, but this was a very quiet game from him, I thought. Uh, three key passes, which isn't terrible, although we were used to seeing more like seven or nine from him sometimes. Um, 69 touches, again, not not terrible. Um, but he didn't, to me, at least pass the eye test as far as the level of influence he has on the game. We're so used to him kind of controlling what happens on offense and, and really making things happen. Um, and I don't think we saw a lot of that this game. I think, if anything, he was probably most dangerous on set pieces, uh, but struggled from the run of play. And one thing that you know concerned me a little bit as it seemed like he was very quick, you know, anytime he went down to get up and start, you know, yelling at the referee and asking for calls that he wasn't getting. And I think we saw that a lot last season, a lot more last season than we'd seen in the past. Um, and I was concerned that that might take him out of his game a bit. And, and I thought it might have taken him out of his game a bit in, in this game. You know, w- would you agree that, you know, all of us complaining to the referee might not be uh, the best thing for him, you know, staying involved and staying focused in the match? Yeah, I do. I think it's kind of troubling to see Carlos Hill have it. This body language on the field, I don't think it's an effective strategy to continue to complain to the referee or sitting on the ground complaining as play continues. I think there was a lot of frustration amongst the attacking players. Outside of Carlos Hill, Giacomo Veroni looked frustrated at times, Dylan Barrero, and even Bobby Wood when he came to the game was clearly frustrated. So I think that final third and, and the players that play in the attack are working it out. They're working things out, and it was clear there was some frustration. At the end of the day, we don't really know what this attack looks like because Gustavo Bo is not there. Nacho Hill's not there. Altador wasn't available. Um, so there's still a lot of pieces that have to come together. But Carlos Hill specifically, I think it was a very bad game. And again, that other players on his team had good games, if that makes sense. I think that for maybe the first time in a very long time, Carlos Hill wasn't the best player on his team. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's not the most talented, but in terms of a performance, like there is players on his team, multiple players that had better days. No, I, I agree with that. I think it, 
you know, there's a number of guys you can look at that um, had really good games. And for and, and part of that, too, is the expectations are so high on Carles because we know what he's capable of. Um, but I do think it's really good news that the Revolution, despite, you know, the, the fact they're two highest paid players on the field, really weren't performing at the levels that you hoped they would. Um, they managed to get three points on the road in a very hostile atmosphere, a very difficult place to play with 70,000 fans, as you pointed out. So it, to me, that's a, a great sign for the Revs. And, you know, in 2021, they weren't always at their best. And some of their best players weren't always at their best during games. And they found ways to win. Uh, last year, that didn't really happen very often. So I think that already is is a very positive sign. Um, I did want to jump and talk about the lineup a little bit and kind of go through uh, what Bruce put out there. Um, it was you know, whether you want to call it a four-three-three or a four-five-one or a four-two-three-one, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, the no surprise in goal, Petrovic. I don't think we need to talk. He didn't have the busiest night, but he you know got a shutout and made the saves he needed to make. Certainly, no complaints there. Back line with uh, Andrew Farrell out. There's no surprise. Brandon By, Henry Kessler. Dave Romney, Dewan Jones. Um, I think everyone that, you know, once you see Andrew Farrell's out, that was the lineup for sure. Um, Matt Polster at defensive midfield. Again, no surprise there. Um, first, maybe surprise is that Noel Buck got the start at central midfield. Now, Latif Blessing had a knock, didn't return to practice till midweek, so he probably wasn't fully fit. I'm sure that played a huge role. Uh, Tommy McNamara also out injured. Um, so I guess when you kind of rule the guys out, it's not that much of a surprise. But um, were, were you surprised to see Buck in the lineup? And, and you talked a little bit about it, but how do you think he did? Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see him in the lineup once you start to rule players out. I thought maybe Lucif Blessing would come on at some point in the game. Um, but no Buck in that second half. He played it a way that you can't take him out of the game. I think in the first half, a little bit underwhelming. But I think the Revs as a whole might have been a little underwhelming in the first half. And the second half, you really started to see no Buck gain confidence, um, making smart runs defensively, but also offensively moving the ball forward. He's some cheeky passes. I didn't know he could pass as well as he did in that game. I think he's taken an incredible step forward in that aspect, showing some creativity. And I think Noel Buck kind of made a statement in a way that, you know, warrants further looks, right, starting in this with this team, um, or at least getting minutes with this team. Because I think you look at him, you look at Jack, P, um, Latif Blessing, Tommy McNamara, Matt Polster, and that defensive midfield as a whole. I think Lil Buck's kind of making a statement, and his play, I think, warrants further opportunities, and that's kind of what you want to see. You want to see players fighting for minutes, because I really think there's a lot of question marks in that midfield, and I think Lil Buck in that second half showed that maybe be maybe he's one of those answers there. Yeah, I thought he really asserted himself more in the second half. Um, I wasn't too impressed in the first half. I think his passing numbers were pretty low in the first half. Um, finished with 72.2% passing accuracy. Not terrible. Um, but he had some really good passes to spring attack, some long balls that really picked out players on a couple of different occasions. Um, and then, like you said, defensively, the effort in the second half in particular was was really, really good. So um, it was overall, I thought it was a very good performance from him through 90 minutes. Uh, and, you know, he's going to have make Bruce have some thoughts or make Bruce's decisions be questionable, um, have to question his decisions when he, you know, everyone's healthy. So, uh, you know, great job from Noel Buck uh, going onto the rest of the lineup. Damian Rivera got the start on the wing along with Dylan Barrero, Carlos Hill in the middle. No surprise there. Um, when we look at Rivera starting. I think that's another surprise, but and again, a little bit forced, right? Because there was no Nacho Hill, no Gustavo Bo, um, no Jack P. Uh, was that a surprise to see Damon Rivera start? And what did you think of his showing? Yeah, you know, my fellow Rhode Islander did not have a good night. Um, 
Damian Rivera definitely struggled. I felt like um, didn't really make an impact on the game. I don't know if I was necessarily surprised with him starting when you start to go through your head on who's available and who's not. I think maybe Justin Rennix could have started out in the wing. Justin Rennix definitely, you know, more of a forward throughout his time. But with Revs, too, he did play a significant amount of time at the wing as well. So it's not something that's unfamiliar to him. Um, and I really think it showed when Josh Rennix came on the field, like this work rate is just so much higher. Um, and he does does things a little bit different. And, I, I, and that's not saying that Damon Rivera is not talented. I think there's still potential there. But I, I think Damon Rivera had a very rough night, and I'd be shocked if we see him again soon unless there's still a lack of availability on other players. But I think Justin Rennix in that second half when he came on showed that he probably warrants a little bit more. Yeah, I think this was a big opportunity for Damian Rivera, which with who was out, and he unfortunately didn't do enough, I think, to earn more minutes when other guys are healthy, which is you know unfortunate for him. Um, finished with fifty percent passing accuracy, uh, which is not, not great, uh, and that was only on ten attempted passes. So he played sixty-two minutes and completed five passes, um, twenty-six touches. Uh, he had two crosses, both not accurate. Uh, two shots, neither were on target. Um, and just overall, you know, the one, one good number that stands out is he did earn four free kicks for the Revs. He was fouled four times, which is the most of any Revs player. But, um, despite that, I just, I just feel like he is too easily pushed off the ball at this stage in his career. And, you know, that's something that he can work on, but, um, I don't think what he did in this game was enough to earn many minutes going forward. You know, again, barring situations where guys are injured, like they were for this game, um, and then up top, Giacomo Rioni, we, we talked a bit about him already. I, I mean, no surprise there to see him starting, uh, obviously a little bit underwhelmed with his performance. Um, but let's, let's get to the subs. You mentioned Justin Reddix, um, and Justin Reddix and Bobby Wood were the first two guys off the bench coming on 63rd minute for Rioni and for Damian Rivera. Um, you, you talked about Reddix. What did you think of Bobby Wood's performance off the bench? Bobby Wood made more of an impact than I thought he was going to be. I didn't know what to expect from Bobby Wood, um, but he immediately looked better than Giacomo Veroni, and that might be just a comfort thing. Um, I think Bobby Wood was dangerous, more dangerous than his DP counterpart, Veroni. Uh, I, I was overly impressed with Bobby Wood. I think that striker position up top and just looking at the forward groupings is kind of up in the air, and I think you have to put your best foot forward in every game, and I think Bobby Wood did enough to continue to get looks, and I think obviously he was going to do that anyway, but... Um, overly, I was impressed with him as an option off the bench. Yeah, and we haven't mentioned Josie Altidore was injured for this one. So he was out as well as Bo. So again, I think by, by default, kind of Wood was the first guy off the bench at striker. Um, but I thought he looked good too. He he impressed me and you know, his almost 30 minutes out there. Uh, you know, I didn't have uh, high expectations, but I, I did think he offered more than Rioni did in this one. Um, now, again, I think the Revs need Rioni to come good and to be that DP striker that they're expecting him to be. Um, so if you know, if, it, if it comes to having to start Bobby Wood, I think the Revs are in trouble. Uh, but I do think he looked good off the bench in this one and certainly warrants more minutes going forward. Um, on the flip side, I was surprised that Ima Boateng didn't come on in this one. Uh, I thought this was one of those games where his pace really could have changed the game for the revolution. Um, and to see him not be one of those first two subs. And I do think Justin Rennox played well. Um, but I think what Boateng could have offered coming on for Rivera is something different with his pace um, that could have caused Charlotte a lot of problems. Were you surprised that we didn't see Ima Boateng, A, kind of at, at that point, or B, at all? <laughs> yeah, I think Dylan Barrero was really effective in that game. And I think if he wasn't effective, I think... Boateng would have been that natural substitution there. But I could see going with Rennick just because he's a bigger body. Um, 
you know, a little bit more aerial presence as well than Boateng. I do think that Boateng would have been a worthwhile sub. I think every time he comes on the field, he makes an impact. Um, he just finds a way to get to the ball, to your forwards. He finds a way to be dangerous. You know, he pushes the back line, especially in a game that was wide open at the end of that game. Like, Boateng absolutely could have had an impact. But I think the fact that Barrero played as well as he did um, maybe led Bruce to be like, all right, we're going to go with Rennix here in this situation because he has a little bit different. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, we we won't talk about the last sub, which was Omar Gonzalez in the ninety second minute, because we got four or five questions about him. So I'll, I'll save it for the questions section, um, and we can jump right into to questions. Which before we jump into those, I do want to take a minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalacoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at GalacoKits.com. Uh, lots of good questions, lots of good comments. Uh, John Stafford with more of a comment. It's a great game. Filled at 11 players without embarrassment. Youngsters looked good. Defense looked much better. Attack was energetic and varied, but very rough. Uh, pretty accurate description, I'd say. Uh, Derek Terrell says, after an unconventional first goal scorer for this year, uh, who will be the re- next player to score a Revs goal for the team? Will it be a forward or another unexpected goal scorer? Any any wild predictions on who will score the Revs next goal? It's a great question. I think it's going to be Dylan Barrera. He almost had like a couple that in that game. Yeah, he did. I like oh. that pick. Um, and, you know, it's easy to pick one of the, the strikers and say Rioni, but... I think after this game, it's a little bit harder to pick him because he didn't show enough. Uh, so I like I like the Barrero pick. I think him or maybe Carles Heel um, would be good shouts for the next one. And of course, if the Revs are dangerous on set pieces, it could be a Dave Romney or a Henry Kessler again. But um, Tyler O'Brien had a few questions on Twitter. Uh, he wants to know: Is Buck going to swoop in and steal the starting job from Latif Blessing? I would say it's going to take a couple more performances like we saw last night and i think latif blessing is going to get his opportunity he's a very talented player um i think joshua bulma is also one that's kind of floating around as well but i really think that Noel buck put his stamp on the game last night i think he was an impact on the game but i think we still have to pump the brakes and say he's 17 years old he's still growing he's still developing as a player um and there's going to be learning pains there's going to be growing pains that come with that so i do want to like caution with old buck um and any young player in general but i was very very impressed with him and i think he absolutely deserves to get continued minutes here yeah i agree i think blessing is probably when he's healthy going to go back and are going to get that starting spot um but again like i said earlier no buck is going to make that decision a bit harder um but you know he needs to show this more and with more consistency i think to really force bruce's hand uh, so it's a question of whether he gets those opportunities. But again, it was a really, really great performance from him. And I think the Revolution have a busy schedule this year with you know everything going on. So there will be those opportunities for Buck. Um, or there should be those opportunities for Buck to get lots of minutes this season, even if he doesn't take over that starting spot. And certainly his development is going to be one that's interesting and exciting to watch. Uh, Tyler also says, related to that, with a lack of a truly reliable option on the right wing, is it worth playing Carly's heel outside on the right and putting Blessing in at the 10 spot to keep Buck as a number eight? Yeah, he was play. There's periods of last night where he wasn't playing as centrally, centrally as he usually does, um, where he wasn't really involved in the game. And I think the worst thing you could do is put Carlos Hill on the wing. I think he has to be playing centrally. I think he has to be committed to playing centrally. 
Um, cause I just think it helps connect everything throughout your team, having Carlos heel in the center. I think on the wing, you know, obviously I think Burrow had a great night last night. I think he's going to continue to have a great season. Um, Nacho heel, not so sold on that right side really is a question to me. Um, but I don't think the answer is putting Carlos heel out there. I completely agree with you. Um, I think Carlos Hill is at his best when he's in the center and can be, you know, as involved as possible with the game. And I think, you know, when you put him out on the wing, uh, his involvement goes down. And we've seen the Revs do that over the years and try him on the wing. And he's effective on the wing. Um, but I just think his best position and, and, you know, the time where he's going to have the most impact on the game is when he's playing in the middle. And he's a guy that you want to have as much impact on the game as possible. Um, so uh, to me, I, I never liked the idea of moving Carlos Hill out on the wing um in order to do something like that and two i think we're going to see some of gustavo bow on the wing i mean bruce arena said he's he's not really a number nine um i don't always love gustavo bow on the wing but i think that's going to be something that we we see at times this year uh you mentioned nacho i think we're going to see him i think you know jack p might see some time on the wings when when he's healthy um you know it is it is a we're gonna get to it more later because we have more questions about it but it is you know the right wing is a, a spot where i think there are a lot of questions um on that note though teal forever said he liked justin rennick's on the wing um do you think that's where his future lies as opposed to kind of playing you know as, as an out and out striker which we've seen from him in the past yeah i actually really like justin rennick's as a playmaker um with revs too i think i mentioned a little bit earlier but he got extended periods of time as a playmaker with Revs too. Um, very creative player. I think those Revs fans know him as that striker, but I really think there's something there as a playmaker for Justin Rennick. I think he could play on the wing. Uh, he's a player that's been around long enough at this point where you really have to see what he's made of. Um, and I think you just see it every time he's out there with the Revs. He has a high work rate. He puts in a good shift. Um, you know, the other day I'd like to see him get on the uh, score sheet if it's an assist or a goal, but I really did like what I saw from Justin Rennix, and I think he has a place on this team this season. Yeah, and I think part of it too is just a numbers game because if you if he's going to get minutes at striker, it's going to be be you know he's behind Frioni, he's behind Gustavo Bo, he's behind Josie Altador, he's behind Bobby Wood on that depth chart. So um, I don't think there's going to be many opportunities for him at striker, um, and I think his finishing ability that we've seen over the years. You know, maybe isn't good enough to justify giving him that many minutes kind of as the number nine, uh, where we have seen some potential for him as a you know, very hardworking player out on the wing. Um, so, you know, I think his minutes with the Revs are going to come on the wing. And if he you know, does well there, uh, he'll get more minutes. Um, but I don't think there's going to be many opportunities for him this season to, to play up top. So, you know, if, if you know, in part because of what he's shown as a striker and, you know, his work rate and what he's shown that he can do on the wing, and in part because of a numbers game, um, you know, if he's going to be playing for the Revs this season, as he did in this game, I do think it's going to be on the wing. And I do think there was some promise from what we saw in him in this game. Um, Tail Forever also said he was super impressed with Dave Romney. Uh, what, we didn't really talk about Dave Romney. He made his debut in this game. Uh, what did you think of his performance? It was nearly flawless, I thought, from Dave Romney. I, I thought he had an incredible game. Um, you know, was a professional, right? This is what you kind of expected when you brought in Dave Romney, was a player that's going to put in a good shift, not going to make a ton of mistakes. Um, so I don't know if you, it, we, we kind of have to think about the center back and this grouping as a whole going forward. And what does it look like when Andrew fails healthy? I know coming into this year, one of the bold predictions that I made was that it would be Kessler Romney. That would be the pairing of choice. And after listening and watching to it last night, I, 
Dave Romney is going to be a starter for this team. And Henry Kessler, if he's able to be healthy, I think is going to be a starter too. So Dave Romney last night really showed to me that he can be the anchor of that center back. Um, and I do really do wonder what's in Andrew Farrell's place when he comes back. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought Dave Romney had a very good game. Um, very solid defensively. The one stat that sticks out to me as less impressive as his passing accuracy was 69.6%, which is pretty low and not ideal for a center back. I, honestly, this is more of a looking at the stats and seeing that than an eye test thing, but I don't, I don't love that. Um, but overall, I thought he played a really good game and not to, to sidetrack, but while, while we're on that stat, I, I'm curious what you thought of Brandon Bias performance, because I thought he was a guy that like no buck that had a kind of a rough first half and really came into the game in the second half. I think I looked at like the 30th minute and his passing accuracy was something like 28%. Um, ended up finishing with 53.9%, which is is still pretty terrible. Um, but I thought he was a guy that kind of had a, a game of two halves. And I, I don't think we're going to end up talking about him through the question. So I'm curious your thought here on, on Brandon Bayes' performance. Yeah, I think Bay was overall okay in the game. I, I wish I saw a little bit more crossing from him, a little bit more on the attack. But I think the team as a whole looked a little bit better in that second half, especially as it opened up as a whole. I feel like the Revolution had the better of the chances. So I liked what I saw from Bai, um, especially when he starts to talk about maybe Dewan Jones moving to Europe. I think Brandon Bai becomes that more important to have him. Um, you know, I think he's an underrated player on this team still. Yeah, and worth noting, he was a guy that finished last season with 78.1% passing accuracy. So uh, a 25% drop-off to 53% in this game is is uh, a lot, but I wouldn't expect that to be the case going forward. If it, if it is, then, then we might have some problems. Um, so yeah, just something to watch. Um, Rennie Swan said there was a lot to see in this game. Uh, what does this kind of opening result paper over in terms of concerns for the next few weeks, which I think is a really good question. And then he said, we're, to add to that, he said, where are the Revs weak heading into weeks two or three, two and three? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to lose this game, and I thought it was going to be a slow start to the year, so I'm still not going to rule that out. I think they have some difficult opponents coming up. Um, you know, you, you host Houston next week, and then you go to L.A. to play LAFC. So you got some really difficult opponents. You beat Charlotte on the road. Um, but I think all the concerns are still there, right? Like, defensively, they were solid. Petrovic was solid. Um, but you know, you look at that final third, you look at the attack and there's still a ton of questions there. And I think those questions remain, um, health is a real concern. And I think it was a concern coming into this match and it remains a concern just looking at the players that weren't available for this team. So there's still a ton of questions. I think all the questions that were there in preseason are still there. I think it was great. They got this win and I think it was impressive. Maybe it shows the re potential resilience of this team. Obviously it's one win, but you want to see this kind of result when you go on the road and you fight for a one nil victory because that's what they did in 2021. They they won those close games. They sought the result. So it's encouraging to see that. But I think all the concerns that everyone had were still valid going forward. Um, and I just think the lack of availability going forward on players, if they're not able to work their way back in, is definitely a concern weeks two and three. Yeah, I, I think injuries certainly are a concern um but the more overarching concern for me is kind of the lack of decisiveness in the final third um it answers some questions defensively in this game but i think every question offensively for the most part still remains um you know we talked about that right wing spot who who was the guy there 
um, going forward. You talked about up top, is Rioni going to be that player? These things have not been answered in this game. Um, And really, it's interesting when you look at the Revs next to opponents a little bit closer. You know, they play at home against Houston next weekend. And the way the game against Charlotte played out, yeah, Revs were able to sit back and kind of counterattack and, and play very solid defensively. And, you know, Charlotte, in front of 70,000 fans at home, tried to possess the ball more and be more of the aggressor. Um, and that really worked for the Revs and ended up, you know, Revs ended up winning the game that way. You know, at home against Houston, Houston's going to be the team most likely that wants to sit back and kind of counterattack the Revs. Um, so I expect that game to play out completely differently and the revolution are going to need to be able to possess the ball and create chances on their own, you know, more from the run of play, less on, you know, more kind of possessing the ball and creating things that way than, and less on counterattacking. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's going to be a very, very difficult and very different game for the Revs. I don't think Houston's a very good team, but I expect that game to play out very differently, right? I, I can't imagine that the Revolution go into that game kind of with the same tactical strategy they had against Charlotte and having that work. Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting part, right, is can they win a different way? And that, that's where you're going to learn from this team, right? Um, they were solid defensively yesterday, and that's what helped them win. But can they win different ways? And that's where you're going to find out. You never know till you see it. Um, you know, and Houston has been also now, so that's kind of interesting dynamic as well um, from the coaching perspective. But, yeah, you're right. Can they break down a team? And we'll see if they can do it against Houston. Yeah, and then not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think the the LA game on the road might play out more like the Charlotte game tactically. Uh, but I think LA has you know more decisiveness in the final third too, so that will be a you know even bigger test of the Revolution defense. Um, so again, I don't want to be negative because the revolution got a win in their first game of the season, but I do think there's a lot more to learn about this team and they are going to have to get better in certain areas, um, you know, going forward. So, uh, yeah, there's, we've, we learned a lot from the, from the team in this game, but I think there's a lot more to learn. And I think that there are some concerns that we had going into this game that uh, we still should have after this game. Um, but I do think the, le- the next two weeks are going to be very different games uh, against very varied opponents. And, you know, by week four, we we may know a, a lot more about this team, um, kind of given that these opponents and these games are going to be very varied and the Rose are going to have to face a, a lot of different things in these, these next two matches. Uh, Miles Halpin on Twitter wants to know our thoughts about the homegrown's performances. Um, you know, I, I think we mostly covered that already. Um and Corey Cloutier on Discord also wanted to know how impactful will the youngsters be this season? Buck and Rivera had decent games. Uh, we talked about Buck and Rivera, but how impactful do you think the youngsters in general on this Revs team will be going forward this season? I think they're going to have an impact. I think just the fact that they have a lot of matches to play, um, not just in MLS, I think you're going to have an impact between, you know, you have Jack P, Eshmir as well. Um, obviously, you saw Renix. Rivera, Buck. I just think there's a lot of youngsters on this team. I think there's a lot of talent in the youngsters. Um, so I think they're absolutely going to have an impact this year. I think it might be the best year for young players in the Revolution organization in a long time. I, I really think the talent's there. And not only is it there, I think a lot of these players are ready to play in Major League Soccer, which I think has changed from you know, the last like five years. Yeah, I, I think they are going to have a big impact this year too. And I'm, you know, we saw some of Noel Buck last year. We saw a little bit of Rivera last year. We saw a little bit of Esmer last year. Um, I think Noel Buck is only going to get better. I think we saw it in this game. I think he's already, you know, improved from last season. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what he has to offer going forward. 
Um, and I think he will have plenty of minutes this year. Uh, and But Jack P is the guy I really want to see uh, because he played so much of a role in this preseason. It seemed like you know, we weren't able to watch most of the games. We were only able to watch one, but uh, at least the Revs account was tweeting all sorts of positive things about him this preseason. I was very disappointed he had an illness and, and missed this first game, but he's one guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of impact he can have on the field um, and, you know, whether that's in the center or whether that's, you know, some time on the wings, given kind of the issues we talked about at right wing, um, that'll be fascinating to watch. But uh, I'm hopeful that this will be kind of the year of the youngsters for the Revs because, you know, Bruce Arena did show some faith in them last year, but I think they need to play even bigger roles this year. And I think that could only be a good thing for the Revs, uh, both short term and and long term. Uh, James Downing on Twitter had several questions. Uh, he wanted to know our thoughts on the Apple TV broadcast. He says he was blown away on all fronts. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the Apple TV broadcast kind of overall? So there are some flaws. I, I know I tweeted out that it was a flawless product, but that was like half sarcastic. Um, you know, there were some audio issues throughout the game. I think the refresh rate, uh, I think that you noted too, um, it was just clipping the broadcast. So visually it looked great, right? It's HD. I think it's the best major league soccer's ever looked. Uh, I just think they have to work on the performance of it. Um, the execution of it though, I thought was fairly good. I don't know if anyone tried to change from the national broadcast to the actual home feed. It was actually fairly seamless and easy to use from my perspective. And also just opening the Apple TV app automatically, the game was right there. All I had to do was hit one button. So I thought they did a very good job in that regard. Um, so I think it's going to get better over time as well. I think they're going to hear feedback and they're going to work on this. This is Apple we're talking about, right? Uh, I'm using an iMac right now. I have an iPhone. I have an Apple Watch. I have an iPad. I have, I have the whole thing, right? But they are known for designing flawless products um, and really making you know, great services. So I, I think that we're going to continue to see this product improve over time. I would say last night also was a free in front of paywall game. So it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how many people continue to watch the team as it goes behind the paywall starting next week. But uh, I'll give them an A for their first week. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was very good. I thought the the quality, the image quality was fantastic. Um, I'm I, I very greedy and would like to see them have 4K at some point. <laughs> but I thought the, the quality was fantastic. But there was motion blur, at least for me. And I know there were other people complaining about it too. And I don't know if that's some setting I should be changing or if it's you know the refresh or frame rate um, that was causing that. And to me, that was a bit annoying. Um, and hopefully there's a way to fix that or they fix that uh, as the season goes on. But overall, I thought it was a very good product. I thought the the uh, the play by play and color commentary uh, definitely earned maybe maybe they biased us a bit by <laughs> calling out the blazing musket and Seth Maycomer, which uh, I think we were all happy to hear. Um, but I thought they did a good job, and I, I did not try to listen to the home audio, but I, was, I meant to, and I'm very interested to, to hear that you said it was pretty work that worked pretty well. I I probably will try it. Um, well, I'll be at the game, but it would, it would be interesting to try uh, next week when. The revolution are home uh to see how it works with the revs the revs team but that that was very interesting to hear but yeah no it's, i think it's a very good product um but there are it wasn't flawless there were some some areas that need to be improved there was one point where i think the, the game jumped uh there was some audio issues at points uh, but again it's week one um i do think the uh, the apple tv mls season pass was a bit behind um, and kind of late getting everything ready, um, which probably leads to there being some mistakes or some flaws 
uh, early on. And, you know, I, I think if they were ready sooner, we probably would have seen more preseason games broadcast. Um, so I, I expect there to be some mistakes in the early going. But, you know, overall, you know, very, I thought very positive about Apple TV. Uh, James also wanted to know our thoughts on Vrioni. I think we already covered that. Um, he wants to know whether the new buyout rules impact Josie Altidore's future as a Revs player. Uh, now, if you haven't been paying very close attention, the MLS released some updates to their roster rules, uh, I think yesterday or the day before the season started. Um, it was funny. I, on, you know, two days ago, I tweeted out that the Revolution have you know, one day left to buy out any players they want to buy out because uh, usually as soon as the offseason ends and games start, the buyout window is, is closed. And if you buy out a guy, he still counts against your salary cap. However, the new rules say that you can buy out a guy up until August 2nd um, and get money off the books from the salary cap. Uh, so do do these new buyout rules impact Josie Altidore's future as a Revs player? What do you think? I think it impacts any player you want to buy out potentially, right? Like maybe Omar Gonzalez gets bought out. Uh, it allows you to really read and react, right, on where you're at from an injury perspective, how the player is performing, um, and what moves you have to make to improve your team. So this allows teams to have a lot more flexibility with their roster. I'm really curious about Altidore's role in this team. Um, I was kind of bullish on him coming into the year. I thought that there is a chance that he'd have a role. Um, I still think there is a chance. I think at the end of the day, we're going to have to see him on the field and be available for the team. Um, but absolutely, this could change how his buyout works or if he is ends up being bought out because now you don't have to make that decision until later on in the season, um, which I, I think is great for the clubs. I think it gives them immense flexibility. So I can only imagine that. Bruce Arena, everyone in the front office is absolutely thrilled with the change in the rule. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it makes a, a huge difference because, you know, before this rule changed, the revolution had to make a decision on Josie out the door before the season started. Um, now they have more time. Uh, they have until August 2nd. They have an opportunity to give him a chance to make an impact on this team uh, to see if he can offer more than last year. They also have an opportunity to see if they can find a buyer for him or even a, you know someone that he can go to on a free transfer because even sending somebody away on a free transfer is a much better op- op- option than having to spend the money to buy them out. Um, so, again, this gives them to August to make a decision. And, you know, they don't need to be in a rush with Josie unless, you know, he's causing problems in the locker room, which we haven't heard at least not this season um or they have a need for that cap space right away to sign somebody and it doesn't seem like there's somebody in the wings that they're waiting to bring in so uh, you know until one of those two things happen there's no urgency for the revs to cut him uh or to buy him out there's you know the revolution can wait and see uh whether you know he can come good and be that player that they thought he was going to be when they signed him or whether there's an opportunity to transfer him and avoid using the buyout on him so i i think it makes a huge difference for the revolution um and you know kind of gives them a pass now too where if you think they should have bought him out in the offseason now they kind of get a pass because that window hasn't closed um so that was very interesting to hear that rule i wish the league had announced it more than you know on opening day it would have been nice (laughs) to know how these rule changes sooner uh but that seems to be how the league operates um rich on twitter says romney was an absolute bull in the back bruce talked all season all preseason about coaching up the team to play defense as a collective unit and it showed even omar couldn't spoil the fun tonight uh great team win i think we agree with all that um ava J on twitter we talked a bit about the younger players, but they, they want to know, do you think we'll continue to play the younger and newer players even as our seasoned players return from injuries? Um, you know, We talked a bit about it, but do you, do you think that when everyone's back healthy, there's still going to be minutes for these younger players? And I guess which ones 
uh, do you think that we'll get those minutes even when everyone's healthy? Yeah, that's the question, right? There's going to be minutes coming in for these, right? So if Keith Watson's going to get minutes, Nacho Heal, all these players at the return, they're going to get minutes. Uh, we know that. They're not going to be sitting Gustavo Bow on the bench every game or for at least the entire game. So I think it's going to be minutes for the young players, but it's going to be maybe it's only Buck or Jack P or Justin Rennox. I think all these young players are going to be fighting for minutes uh, at the end of the day, and I think you're going to see a reduction overall. I think there's still going to be minutes available, but um, not everyone's going to get minutes, and that's just going to be the way it ends up working out. I think you really just have to see what this team looks like with Blessing on it. Um, how does it work with Nacho Hill? Where's Gustavo Boa's role? So even as you bring in some of these veteran players, I think it's really what's the fit. Um, so I think the minutes will be there for the young players, but I don't think all of them are going to be getting minutes. I think a lot of them will be at the revs too. And some of these players, you're going to have to make a decision on like Damian Rivera, Justin Renex have been around the team for a long time. So it's really what is their role um, long-term? And I think maybe we'll get that answer this year. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I don't think we're going to see when everyone's healthy, two homegrowns in the starting lineup very often, uh, as we saw in this game. Um, so there, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, who who are the guys that see those minutes and where do they get them? Uh, when everyone's healthy, I, I expect that the minutes will be harder to come by, but I do think that Noel Buck has shown enough to get more minutes. Um, it seems like Jack P in preseason uh, was earning the coach's respect. Um, and again, you know, there are question marks at right wing. Um, you know, we don't know... You know, Nacho Hill showed signs, glimpses last year that he could be a great player there. Um, you know, is he the answer there, or, or do they look to one of the homegrowns, or is Gustavo Bo playing right wing? So there are opportunities for these guys to kind of break into the lineup. Nothing's set in stone. Um, you know, maybe other than the back line and, and Matt Polster um, and Carlos Hill, obviously nothing I think is set in stone in this lineup. Um, there's there's opportunities for guys to impress and practice and get minutes, but it will be harder to come by when everyone's healthy. Um, and I don't expect we'll see two homegrowns starting very often, as we saw in this game. But you you know you make a very good point about Renix uh, and Rivera, especially Renix. Renix turns 24 uh, in March, so he's not that young anymore. Um, if you know if he is a sub off the bench and plays a lot of games like he did. Uh, and the season opener, it certainly makes sense to keep him around. But I, I do think this is a big season for him to prove he can have an impact. Um, if he's you know playing a lot of games where he's not seeing the field uh, this year, if he's struggling to get any minutes, then you know maybe it is time to move on after this year. Um, so that that is certainly one to watch um, going forward. Is, is Justin Rennix. and I guess I guess you can't really call him a young player anymore. <laughs> he's about to turn to turn twenty four, isn't he? Like older than Rioni. <laughs> Yeah, he's older than Barrero. He's not under the youth. Like, I think in Magic Soccer, if you're under 22 years old, you're considered the young player, right? So, yeah, yeah. Justin Rennick is actually a veteran at this point. Yeah, so, so something, something to watch is, is what, what goes on with him going forward. Uh, Joe on Twitter just says, my reactions, no buck in all caps. Uh, he was very happy with his performance. Uh, Evan Ream on Discord, uh, more negative about the Revolution subs. He says, is the Rennix and Wood experiment dead, please? Um, I was a little bit surprised by that take. What, what any thoughts? Is he watching the same game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that Justin Rennick you know, showed his work rate, and I think he was an impact in the game. I think Bobby Wood was much better effectively than Giacomo Veroni. I thought Bobby Wood impressed me. He outperformed a DP. So um, I thought both of them were solid off the bench. I thought Bruce kind of pulled the right levers uh, with the substitutions last night. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I get that thought when you first saw the subs being made because I was, like I said earlier, I thought Boateng should have came, come in. Uh, but then when you thought what saw what they actually did on the field, um, I thought they looked pretty good off the bench. So I, I, I don't think we're done with those experiments. I think Bruce is probably going to be pleased with what he saw from the two of them. And I actually am pretty sure in his comments after the game he was pleased. Um, and then Evan Ream also wants to know, are Charlotte fans and players more obnoxious than Philly fans and players? Uh, for me, it's, it's hard to comment on that when I wasn't there in person, but I don't know if you have any thoughts. You know, that crowd was into it for about two minutes last night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that happens inevitably just about anywhere when you have 70,000 fans, except maybe Seattle when they have a, a big crowd. I don't know, but... <laughs> Right, it's That's hard to fair. find seventy thousand fans that are going to be into it for ninety minutes. I think in in pretty much any market, but I think we'll see what happens when the season goes along and you're down to more of the 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 not not to say real fans, but more of the diehard fans uh, in attendance as opposed to seventy thousand people that are you know many of whom are just there for kind of the spectacle. Um, Ryan on Discord gets to a question we briefly touched on earlier, but one that I think is worth digging deeper into. He wants to know, what do you think about the depth on the right side of the field? The Revs clean up their spine, striker, center mid, center back, but what's the depth chart at right wing and right back? And this is something that I've talked about before, particularly at right back. Um, there's not that much great depth there, right? Like, what What is the depth chart at right back and right wing right now? I think those are hard to answer, right? Especially right it's wing. It's incredibly hard to, yeah, it's... It's incredibly hard to answer, and when your best option at right back when Brandon Bai's not there is Dewan Jones, it's kind of a problem, right? And Ryan Spaulding is a Christian McCoon, um, is a Ben Ravino. Like they really are lacking at that right side, and it, it really is the entire right side of the field. If you have an injury to Brandon Bai, you're in big trouble. Um, you know, I think at right wing, that's that's a question too. But I think they have enough potential pieces there where they'll figure it out. But right back to me is the biggest need on this team. I, I wish they addressed it in the off season. I think it's going to be something that we have to look at going into the summer transfer window, uh, especially if you're talking about maybe buy or Jones wanting to play overseas at some point. Yeah. I think they got deeper at every, pretty much every position this off season, uh, except right back. They got less deep because they got rid of AJ De La Garza, um, which I mean, makes sense given his age, but they didn't really replace him. Um, so yeah, it is troubling when your, your second best right back option is your starting left back. I don't really think that's an option. Um, and then Josh Bulma, who, you know, hasn't really played right back is, you know, an option there, uh, maybe long-term that'll work out. Uh, but you know, if, if Brandon by is sold or is injured long-term, uh, there's a lot of questions there. And then Andrew Farrell, you know, can play right back, but he hasn't for several years. And I think the older he gets into his career, the less it makes sense to have him be kind of this utility guy back there. I, 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 you know, I don't think we'll see him very much at right back. So yeah, I have a lot of questions about right back behind Brandon by, and that was, you know, maybe the one position I was most surprised that they didn't do more to address, bring in a veteran or something to, you know, to, to get minutes at, at right back. Um, and then right wing, you know, for all the reasons we talked about earlier, you know, is it Nacho Heal? Is it Gustavo Bo? You know, is, does Esmer get a chance there? Uh, it was Rivera in this first game, but I, again, I don't think either of us were that impressed with him where we think that's going to be his position going forward. So um, I think that there's, there's even more question marks there because you don't know who the starter is. Uh, I think there's you know, every every bit of chance that Nacho Heal, if he plays well, makes that his role, but then where does Gustavo Bo play? So um, those are both very good questions. And, you know, right wing in part because there's no true uh, – 
right winger that's blown away, uh, you know, in his performances is part of the part of the problem. But also because there's you know a bunch of guys we have question marks where they're going to fit in the field, um, and you know that issue certainly wasn't resolved in in game one. Um, it's you know it's not just the depth that's who the starter is, uh, but yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, Ryan Discord also looked at Houston's very lengthy injury list and wants to know how much he should bet on the Revs to win the home opener at negative one fifty odds. <laughs> Too bad Greg's not on for this. He's our uh, little gambling expert. <laughs> yeah, can we phone an expert? <laughs> but I, I think that it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I actually, you know, what you brought up earlier was the fact that you know Houston's probably going to pack it in. They're going to you know park the bus so to speak. They're going to play defensively. They're going to probably look on the counter. And I think. Revolution in previous years have struggled to break down teams defensively. I think teams have had success coming into Gillette and kind of parking the bus. I think we've seen it. Um, so, you know, despite Houston looking banged up, the Revolution are also very banged up. Um, the Revolution attack hasn't really shown to be a real threat, at least through one game. So I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be so sure about winning the home opener. I, I completely agree with you. Um, and also injury reports in MLS, we know how much of they, how quickly they can change and everything too. Um, I haven't looked too much into the, the actual injuries that, that Houston has, but um, for the reasons you mentioned, I think Houston does come in playing for a draw or playing defensively. And you know, we don't know if the Reds are going to be able to break that down. Um, it's, you know, early March in Foxborough, <laughs> there could be snow. We don't, keep an eye on that forecast if you're looking to bet that game because, you know, if, in a snow game, I think all bets are off. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's uh, as much of a lock as maybe you'd think on paper when you kind of dive into the weather and, you know, the type of tactics the Rebels are going to have to play in that game. So um, I would be I would be hesitant to, to jump on that one, even though on paper it looks like a good bet. Uh, all right. We have pushed off the Omar questions as long as we can. Now we have to end with four Omar questions. I'm just going to read all of them, and then we can talk about it. Uh, bronze member on Twitter says, Omar closing games is not something I want to see. The kid at the season ticket holder event was right. It will end up costing the Revs points, as it did last year. Uh, Peter Blyes on Twitter says he's thankful that Omar didn't give up a goal, as happened so many times last year. Uh, Evan Reem on Discord wants to know if Omar is the closer or is a closer now. And Corey Cloutier on Discord wants to know, now that Omar subbed in and it worked, do you expect to see Omar sub in every time we are up by one? Um, so I guess just general thoughts on that sub, and are we going to see Omar, uh, as we did at times last year, be the guy that comes on when the Revs are up by one late? I think when you look at who was available off that bench and you're looking to make that late defensive sub, the obvious choice was Omar Gonzalez. Um, I, I don't think Bruce would have brought him back if he didn't have some type of faith or trust in him as a player. Uh, I think Omar had some very bad luck and bad mistakes last year. At the end of the day, you have to expect him to play better this year. Um, you know, I didn't really get a good enough look at him last night in those limited minutes. I don't even want to say he's the closer going forward either because I think they have to figure out when Farrell's back and healthy, what does that center back pairing look like? And are you bringing Andrew Farrell or Kessler or someone else off the bench that would kind of displace um, Omar Gonzalez from that backup center back option? So, Look, I think people like to pile on Omar Gonzalez. Um, I was one of them last year, but we haven't seen it yet this year. It's a new year. It's a new season. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt at this time. 
yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see enough from this game to, to change my opinion on, on Omar uh, in the two and a half minutes. Um, you know, you, you do get worried when he comes on because of what happened last year. Uh, is he going to be the guy that comes on every game when the Revs are up one nothing? You, you make a great point. Uh, you know, there was no Andrew Farrell available for this one. Um, I think Bruce Arena probably trusts Gonzalez more than McCoon, but I think it's a very different situation if all three, you know, you have Romney, Kessler, and Farrell, who are, I think are three starting caliber center backs in this league. If one of them's on the bench, you probably bring them on. Now, my other question, though, is I guess, you know, if, if Farrell is starting with either Kessler or Romney, um, and, you know, either Kessler or Romney's on the bench, then you have, you know, a pretty tall center back to come on and kind of win those headers late in the game, which it seems to be something that Bruce is kind of looking for when he's, you know, making that substitution. Uh, Omar Gonzalez, obviously a very big body back there. Um, on paper, should be good at winning headers uh, late in the game. But, you know, and I think it's an easy choice to bring in, you know, either Kessler or Romney over him if they're the guy on the bench. But if Farrell's the guy on the bench, you know, five foot eleven, less of an aerial threat to Omar, um, do you think Farrell becomes the, the third center back to come on if he's the guy on the bench instead of Omar? Or, or is there still a chance that Bruce turns to Omar, uh, maybe situationally, if they're, they're playing a tall striker? I, I think that that's, that's more of the question, right? Is that if, if it's Farrell on the bench, you know, Omar is a very different type of center back, right? Yeah, I think situationally, it's going to definitely matter if he's looking for that aerial presence. It's going to be Omar over Farrell. You're right. Um, but if it's for longer stretches, let's say you're, you know, someone's on a yellow card. Uh, like, you know, if Kessler or Romney are on a yellow card and then the second half of the game, maybe bring in Farrell in that point for a longer run. But during that final five minutes, maybe it's Omar Gonzalez situationally. Yeah, I, I, I want to be clear. I don't think we see Omar in a four-man back line all season unless the injuries get really bad. That's that's my, my prediction. I'll go on record as saying I'd, I'd be surprised if we see Omar in a four-man back line. If, if you know, if Kessler or, or Romney's on a yellow card watch, I think we might see McCoon before we see... Uh, Omar, but I just, I just don't think he works in a four-man back line at this point in his career. Um, there were two news stories I wanted to talk about. Uh, most interesting, Ima Boateng signed to a supplemental roster spot a few days before the season opener. Now, he was making 255000 or I believe 255000 last year, um, and we heard in the offseason that Bruce didn't pick up his option because he, you know, he didn't you didn't want to pay him that much money or whatever his option amount was. Um, and now he's signed to a supplemental roster spot, which unless I'm missing something means he's making the senior minimum salary, which is $85,444 this year. So a massive pay cut for Ima Boateng, who I thought had a good preseason from what we could see for the revolution. Um, and, you know, has always been an impactful player for the revs off the bench when he's had the chance. Um, but, you know, maybe we're seeing a little bit of why he got that salary and where he is on Bruce's depth chart when he didn't come into this game. What, what do you think of that signing? And were you surprised to see him back on the revs on such a low salary? It's very surprising to me. I think it'd be kind of interesting to maybe talk with him as why he came back to the revolution. I think if you looked at him last year, I think he was an impactful player off the bench for the revolution. He was immediately able to put pressure on opposing back lines. I think there was a pockets of last year where he warranted starting for the team. And I thought in preseason, you know, that one game we saw, he was effective as well. But, you know, it didn't look like there was any interest to put him into this game. And this was a game that, you know, the revolution wanted to win. They were having success. And I think that if he brought in Ima, you know, he probably would have found a goal either way. But I think bringing him on would have even elevated those chances even more. Um, so I was surprised that he signed that kind of deal. Um 
you know, and I, and I think it's surprising as well that maybe Bruce doesn't value him as much as maybe we do. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. Honestly, the whole situation with Ima Boateng, I, I figured he would have left um, after not getting his option picked up, but maybe he just wants to be here. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a long time to test free agency, and I, I just, you know, the, the league is so big now, too. I, I'm shocked that there's not some team out there that was willing to, to you know, pay him more and also play him more. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's great news for the revolution. They get him at a, a steal, you know. He's on the supplemental roster doesn't even count. Supplemental roster doesn't even count against the salary cap. Not taking up a senior roster spot, um, you know. You can't can't beat that. Um, but I'm surprised, and ho- I hope hopefully he's happy in New England and wanted to be here. But that's quite the pay cut for a, you know a veteran player that has you know been a really good player for the Revs over the years. So very. Very, very interesting. Good, good news for the Revs, but I'm surprised that he's back on that salary. Uh, other, one other quick news: we, you know, the Bet Musket Seth Makehomer uh, let us know that Andreas Uland left Revs training camp a few weeks ago. Um, I was able to get in touch with his team and find out a bit, and it sounds like that he fell behind Souza on the depth chart. Uh, and the decision was made that there just wasn't going to be enough playing time for him at Revs two to justify. I think I, I, my assumption is that he wasn't even offered a contract with Revs two because there just wasn't going to be enough playing time to go around. Um, you know, not surprising for a third round draft pick. Interesting, you know, he is going to continue or looking to continue his professional career elsewhere. Uh, I believe he's been training with another team. Not sure whether that's U.S. or elsewhere or what level that is, but um, I guess no real surprise to see a third round pick not get signed. Uh, but you know, wish him the best of luck in the future wherever he goes. Uh, any thoughts on on Revs kind of going after Yulin in the draft and not ending up signing him? Yeah, I think you know Yulin was interesting when they drafted him because there was some upside there. The fact that he kind of fell in the draft, um, but yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, right? You break in Victor Souza as well, and you look at the playing time. You look at Revs too. You look at Pierre Cayet there, Ben Ravino, um, and then obviously Souza signing there as well. So it's not shocking that. Yuland wasn't offered a contract or is going elsewhere just for the simple fact that a young player needs to play. And if you're not going to get minutes, it's no point to be here. Yeah, probably the, the best decision for, for both involved. Uh, Tanner, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, and you know, what do you have upcoming on the Blazing Musket? Yeah, you know, the Blazing Musket's off to a, uh, a blazing start. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, it was great to see that shout out last night on the Apple TV broadcast. I know everyone appreciated it. Um, you know, and Seth does great work, so he definitely deserved it. But I have a, probably a Revolution notebook coming up early this week, uh, recapping the game, some final takeaways, but also looking towards next week, towards Houston, uh, towards the home opener. And uh, you know, maybe there's some weather on the horizon. Obviously, New England in March, you always kind of expect it, but it's looking like that Saturday game may have a weather impact. Hopefully not, but you never know. I think we're supposed to get a lot of snow on uh, Tuesday, anyways. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like come Saturday, but <laughs> always, always something you got to keep an eye on uh, on these early season games in New England, um, especially with uh, <laughs> with how the snow game went last year for the Revs. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean L. Donahue. Uh, follow Tanner as well. And, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Revolution Recap. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. As mentioned, be sure to check out our, check out our friends at The Blazing Musket. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week after the Houston Dynamo game with another podcast.